We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good? Happy hump day. It's Wednesday. The Anora boys are in the building. Welcome to the Lucky Lefty podcast. My name is Sean Davis. That dude, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you do so. Responsibly. You have to do it responsibly. And today is a great show because we're talking the art of the apparel deal. We're going to get into it, man. Like three finalists have been named by Jack Swarbrick. And we're going to talk about the pros, the cons, the marketing aspect, who brings the best to the table marketing. And we're going to talk about, you know, the brand of Notre Dame and how it connects. And Jack Swarbrick said some interesting things that might make Notre Dame fans feel like nothing's going to change. But, you know, as we said before, he might be opening the door to Notre Dame's new future with the apparel deal. So we'll dig into it. But last night's show, fantastic show. You guys jumped on. Numbers were crazy. Chat was lit before we even started the show. Left, unfortunately, had practice and wasn't able to jump in in time. But we gave you guys one hour talking about Marcus Freeman's interview on the pivot. We gave you five major takeaways, five major takeaways. That is available right now on Irish Breakdown. It just popped up on the Irish Breakdown feed. It was exclusive to CFB Nation all last night. And that's how we're going to roll in the future. Things are going to be exclusive on CFB Nation via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can grab it there. It might populate to Irish Breakdown days later or something like that, so you'll be behind. But if you want it hot off the press, especially practice reports in the fall, game reports, some of the stuff that Malik is going to be doing with film breakdown with the quarterbacks, especially with Gino Gadouli and the young quarterbacks we have coming into the roster, that are going to be exclusive not only to CFB Nation, but also, man, I'm excited left. Uh, I was chopping it up with our girl last night, and uh, our web tech, she sent me 
the link to do a clean run through and check out, man, the sight lines, the color, everything, man, it's coming along. Now it's all about adding merch, pictures, and and other things that we want, links to the YouTube feed. So, man, I appreciate Rachel Robbins. Shout out to her for all the work she's been doing for us. Uh, finally got the preview link and, and, and well, the second preview link plus some things that we asked to be changed and we're extremely happy about that, man. Lucky Lefty Nation and uh, Notre Dame fans have been extremely, extremely good to us, Left, We continue to build subscribers, adding each and every day. Like we say, your questions, we're always welcoming them. And we want you to lock in because we give you the audio edible each and every day. And even with Jack Swarbrick, work going out. In six months, we are still going to be the home of the misguided passion. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know we spin it different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, left. This is where he, I love shows like this. See, I love shows where I can just pretty much go radio silence for the first ten minutes and just say, "Hey, left has something to say." And I gave a full hour of my thoughts on what Marcus Freeman said during the pivot interview and the importance of the uh, pivot interview. And once again. Look, at some point, maybe I know he's busy, 
at some point this summer, we are hopeful that Amir Carlisle can give us five to 10 minutes, especially <laughs> now, because I just really want to go into the mindset and the vision because we're starting to see like the infancy stages of the vision he has in his position at Notre Dame for where he wants to take the brand and the football program and just dig into it and ask him about what the present and the future holds for Notre Dame. So hopefully we can make that happen. But Marcus Freeman was on the pivot. It was about 58 minutes. Great interview between him, Ryan Clark, Shannon Crowder, and Fred Taylor. And left. what were your last thoughts from what you saw? One of the cool things I thought that it stood out is his acknowledgement that bringing the pivot to Notre Dame, he could use for recruiting. He's like, oh, the pivot came to Notre Dame. They, they interviewed Marcus Freeman. That's cool. That's updating the perspective. He, he has a, a understanding of what Notre Dame looks like in the in the light of the recruit as well as what he could do maybe around the bigger issues to make Notre Dame look a lot cooler in the light of recruiting. And the pivot is a great opportunity for him to uh, – it's like him going on the breakfast club mm-hmm. as, a, as a new artist and as a head coach being young and having the knowledge of the pivot you know, I'm sure Byron Kelly didn't know what the pivot was, you know. So <laughs> for him to be like, oh, let me set this up or be a part of this, I think it's a great extension to what the position of the Notre Dame head coach is and all the luxuries you get with that. I mean, he was just shooting a commercial with Peyton and Eli Manning, and they didn't even go to Notre Dame. What do you know? So mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Freeman to be on this press tour, I think, is still great for recruitment and it shows why uh he is putting himself in a in a great light and you know they asked him great questions from everything from being the one of the two only coaches to be doing this and that and what's the expectations and the vision are of of, of what you're bringing and personal questions and you know I, I forgot that uh he had got medically examined out of the NFL and I was like cause I was trying to remember what happened but his his bounce back into football and what it means to him, you know, he he, he definitely they mentioned Wayne High School, you know, shout out to Wayne High School, Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. But uh, Marcus Freeman, man, you know, I think it's just uh, pretty cool to see, and it, it also shows why he is right now the leader of the team and the face of the program, and you know that's rare. Not too many. Uh, sports brands have the the head coach as their face of the program, and I think uh, the the players eat off of that. They thrive off of that, and we'll get to see a more lively Marcus Freeman on the on the sidelines this year because of that. But we still need to have the Marcus Freeman on the team from a leader's perspective that can that they can rally behind and uh and give the same results on the field like we're getting off the field with. Marcus Freeman's efforts, but for him to do the pivot and just just t- take everybody through it and show how important it is uh, of his position being there, of why it's so different at Notre Dame and walking through the locker room and seeing all these all these guys, you know, Ryan Clark and Shannon Crowder, Fred Taylor had high respect for Notre Dame. They just never got a chance to be there. Mm. So 
seeing that, they're like, wow, it's it's really like that for real. It's got a lot of bells and whistles and 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 history and tradition that you know, as a football player and a student in general, you would want to be a part of. And I think they got to see that and it's get to be blown up in a cooler way on YouTube. I think the best part is shout out to the editing team from the pivot because they record these these interviews and it's one thing to just sit down and just show what was recorded but it's one thing to know how to intro how to lead into the interview and i've seen a they do a great job usually with the clip they choose or the clips they choose to lead into those particular interviews but man let me tell you something the walk down the stairs and to have fred taylor point out hey man do you see what you see and no sponsors like this is all tradition no that's all you see yeah and then to have marcus freeman really break it down for him the strike because i knew the, the angles to the stripes in the end zone i knew the history of that and how it related to the year that notre dame was founded I knew all of that from just being a fan and everything, but for them to receive that and for them to say, yo, that's special. Like, yo, that's special. Like, Yeah, well, you don't see Pepsi and Gatorade labeled on all your stuff in the locker room. No. It's just a locker room. No. You think it's a movie set or something. Yeah, yeah. Because you're like, some got to be paying for this. What big corporations paying for this though no, it's just the brand it's the logo it's the investment yeah the tradition it still looks like uh what people uh, how let me ask you a question left is this this hit me and i've never this is something we've had a lot of discussions what do you feel in that locker room left because for fred taylor to come in and say yo this is crazy because i just met rudy two weeks ago in Jacksonville, the real Rudy. And it was like, I come in and I'm like, yo, this is the same locker room that Rudy sat in. It was the same original locker room. Of course, they expanded it a little bit, added some bells and whistles. But knowing all of the greatness that came before you, like, did you ever have a moment just sitting there like after a practice or after a game or even just leading up to a game and just say, man, like you just feel the presence of the tradition and the responsibility and like what what was that like, man? Did you ever have one of those moments? I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was times after practice when we were practicing the stadium or practice uh, where I would just be on the field and just kind of feeling it out, taking it in. You know, you got to take those experiences in at the same time. But, you know, you're there for a short and a long time as well. So you don't really get to – because everything's moving so fast. You're on a schedule. You're on a routine. You're trying to win. You got to – thinking about the league, you know, especially if you're playing well. you like, man, I'm trying to, you know, stay stay right and get, get out of here the right way. So there's so many different factors that are, quote, unquote, distractions when it comes to taking in the full experience that when the end of it is, you're like, oh, shit, I did that. Oh, man, I – Got to walk all of it. I remember doing all of it, but my mind was somewhere else. So uh you're definitely on the autopilot when it comes to what it feels like being there, you know, as a fan, as a person that's an alumni now, former player. 
I can feel those experiences again and remember what it was like being there. But when I was there, I'm on your minds on, you know, your classes, you got homework, you got remember the plays, you're trying to win, you try to go to the league, you try to, so you try to get an internship. What are you gonna do at the college? So just so many different things in the, the present moment that you're thinking about mm-hmm. where you don't get a chance to be like, wow, I'm at Notre Dame and look at all this stuff around here and all the tradition. Now, when you're done, I think that's where a lot of the love for Notre Dame comes from is when you come back, when there's no expectations of you got to have a GPA, you got to get these classes, you got to get these internships, you got to meet these, you got to do all this stuff to get to the next level. You can come back as just an enjoyment factor. You're like, wow, the campus is so beautiful, the grotto, the the basilica, the buildings are so nice. Oh, I want to go to the bookstore, you know. But when you're a student, you walk past the bookstore every day like, damn, this is just in the way of me getting into something. <laughs> it's a long walk, shit. Right. Door, I got to get all the way around. It, you know, so you definitely become more of a fan once you're done and more appreciative and grateful once you're done. But when you're in it, it's hectic. It's a routine. You're busy. And, uh, you know, you, you're grateful when it's over almost. But you, you're happy that you went and you know, it's so much more uh, that you fall in love with it because you'd be like, man, I went through a lot to get to the finish line. Now I can receive all the extracurricular benefits and the activities when I come back on a visit or, you know, they always updating the campus. It's just great. I have no problem donating because I'm seeing the results of it always upgrade, you know. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty well-functioning system but yeah now i'm just like wow it's just crazy to see other people that didn't get a chance to go there for the first time be like wow now i get to reflect on four five years of i'm like yeah it was it was awesome you know but when you're there you just you try to get right (laughs) i understand man i in the midst of that conversation i just had to ask man because i can remember the first time I actually went to the stadium when the new coaches, coaching staff was revealed and I had to go because B. Driss couldn't go to record and interview guys. And I'm standing there and I get there extra early and I'm sitting outside um, waiting for them to open the interview room. And I'm looking down, bro, I'm looking down the tunnel, the wall. I'm, I'm standing there at the gate. And the security guard sees me. He sees me. He's like, go ahead and walk. I'm like, are you serious? He was like, yeah, go take the walk. Bro, I'm like, man, this, bro, I'm in my 40s, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm a grown man. But I'm like feeling like, yo, because I know, I'm like, yo, this is the tunnel where Miami and Notre Dame got it in. Yeah. You understand? This is where Florida State and Notre Dame got it in pregame. This is where USC and Notre Dame got it in. I'm walking down this tunnel like, yo, this is bananas. And I'm See, taking it all thing. in. It's, it's such a such a detachment from then to now. That's like 30 yeah. years ago. Right, right. And it's because you don't get those moments like you did then. It's like all the greatest moments from Notre Dame history seem to be that one year of Lou Holtz or something because everybody has a crazy reflective story 
of something that is not happening today. Yeah. <laughs> like they even moved the tunnel to the other side. <laughs> right. And I don't, man, I remember when they did that visitor tunnel. I'm like, you're taking away from the texture of right. the stadium, man. Like, yo, you have to be able to have Notre Dame have a sense of intimidation in the tunnel, man. Or a sense of, yo, we're going to punch you in the mouth in the tunnel before these big games. You can't take that away. And I understand. Yeah, they just get too corporate, you know. They yeah. Is it the Jumbo Tron? And- man, I'm like, man, brick that bad fella up yeah. before, before Ohio State gets here. Make Ohio State come through us. Yeah. Let them know, oh, we're punching you in the mouth today. It's on and popping. That's what it has to be. I want a trash talk going up the tunnel. Pre-game. Yeah. That's what I let's get it. Let's get it. What? Let's do it. This is Notre Dame Stadium. You don't come in here and run this. That's we right. run this. That's com- that's, right. that's competition, man. That's competition. And that was something that Notre Dame had. Just like and it's something until recently we saw what happened last year. Michigan had that same vibe. Yeah, hey, both teams, one tunnel. Halftime, everything, trash talking, whatever. We didn't know Michigan State would be the sore losers that they were and take it to the next level, but it is what it is, man. Just the the character. Like, you take away – you can do so much to improve that you can take away from the character of your home stadium. And Notre Dame still has a ton of character as a stadium. A ton of character. Yeah, it's got a ton of character. They build on top of the old stadium, but still, it's like there needs to be that uh, competitive vibe, you know, that owning of the stadium as the team. I think Marcus Freeman can instill that. And to those guys of being more of the – this is our house, you know, it was a quiet version of that with Coach Kelly because we was pretty good at home. Yeah. We only lost maybe one or two games at home, but it wasn't like this is our house. It was just like, yeah, we're good at home. Like, you know, yeah. but having that, oh, you coming in here, the intimidation factor, top 10 places to play, that type of thing going. That's what spurs a team to have the energy in late in the season. Yeah. And everybody's hyping the early beginning, you know, fans and all that. Late in the season, if you can be a tough place to play, that's usually because the team itself is having enough galvanizing energy of being competitive with the team that's coming in town because they really take it personal. Come in here, Ohio State, thinking this is sweet. You know, we harassing you off the bus. Mm-hmm. Off the bus, you gotta walk around. It's just hard to do stuff. You just got you gotta walk all the way down, and then you gotta come around because you know you can't. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Right. Pre-game, you know, pre-game Notre Dame, a lot of stuff going on. Make it tough. Make it hard. It's like, man, man I'm, hey, look, we go down to Miami. You know, I had the band in there. I got the, I got fans on, all these famous people from Notre Dame in my way. I'm trying to warm up. They, that's, you know, then we can't get to the tunnel. We got to go up the main tunnel with Notre Dame trash talking. To, you know, just make it hard, harass them. Absolutely. You know, it's just a lot going on anyway from the fanciness and all these big-ass TV, NBC cameras and stuff. Make it tough. That all adds into it, you know. So 
It's just about what do we want to give as that intimidation factor, I think, going into the next year. And we have a head coach that can provide that. He's a little too likable for me nowadays. I mean, he's becoming Tom Cruise in the media. Everybody's he's already, <laughs> you know, he's on every freaking thing. He's a likable dude. I would like him to be a little less likable. Like, you Bro, know, Ryan Day is I, not I don't think I don't think he's that he's as likable in in inside the program. I'll leave it at that. He's very likable. Well, you know, there's a there's always he's a, very likable when it comes to the media. His but, you you know, know, looks, the way he portrays himself, you know, he's he he advances the brand cult- culturally, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. He advances the brand. But, you know, it's always the people in, inside that don't like you, you know. It's always the hidden hand, different functions that working against you and making the job hard at Notre Dame. And a lot of that is like, because they don't want you, they don't want anybody to be the face of the other of the team itself. You know, they don't want anybody to be doing that. So, Marcus Freeman is as well liked as he is. Production has to match that, which I think is going to be apparent this year coming up and, and moving forward. But hopefully, Peter Vakwa is really on his side and can help facilitate some of those functions that happen that work against Marcus Freeman in his pursuit to winning what I believe that most people want, maybe not the best or the highest of the highest people may want first, but I think having a synergy of winning the championship and uh, allowing some of those things to pass through, I think you get everything you want. Like like we always say, Notre Dame chooses not to win a championship. It's way different than trying to win one, way different than we are missing a couple things. We really have it, but we're just being very uh, good steward with the way we go about trying to achieve what we can achieve easily if we just put our money where our mouth is. I think that's something that is always a, a, a battle, I think, between administration and the coaching staff and these sport, or these, the sports teams that need a little more resources like girl basketball. We always competitive. You know, with Muffin McGraw in those years, even with BL Ivy and Coach Ivy in these years, they're very competitive. But there's also a, a resource issue that shouldn't be a problem for a school like Notre Dame, but it's a problem yeah. for this basketball team. It's a problem for the men's football team where we can't get certain things done to get the right staff that we know we can win with. That's a choice. You know, it's different if we couldn't get anybody to show up for an interview. If we couldn't, you know, pull nobody on campus or they have all these bad remarks about Notre Dame after leaving the interview. This is simple choice of we just don't want to pull the trigger. Yeah. And that's a choice not to win a championship. That's not a we got these things in front of us. We're just choosing not to. And I think until we choose and decide we want to win, and that be our first priority. But, but Marcus Freeman said they always ask for a national championship every year. They, they ask us for a national championship. He said that in the pivot interview. He said, oh, every oh, year. oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, of yeah. course they, of, yeah, you know, yeah. of course it's they. Like, just like national course, championship. That's all they that's want. Like, just like 
we said that, oh, Andy just didn't want to come just because. <laughs> we wanted him. He just didn't come because, well, I don't know, he just didn't want to come. Right. But the real reason we didn't want to pay him. Just like it's like Marcus Freeman, yeah, we hire you to win, but win with one hand behind your back. See if you can do that. Yeah, we want you to win, but just with one hand behind your back. So you're going to win the way we want you to win, but we want you to do it just the way we want you to do it, just do it in force. So you're going to have the coaches we want you to have. Mm. You're going to have these machines behind you that's working for us against you, but it needs you need to figure out how to work it out. And if there's things you want, bring it to us, and we may or may not do it, but I still need you to win. And if you don't win or if we mess up, you got to take it for us. And if you get something under nine wins for two consecutive seasons, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. But every year you expect it to win with all these stipulations. Because we're choosing not to win. We just want everybody else to think we win it. But if you can pull it off, oh, that's the best of both worlds. Because now our model is proven true. You can make money and win a championship and not sacrifice the brand for it with good stewardship and divine intervention <laughs> and inspiration. <laughs> that goes to, <clears throat> let me just throw some of the things I said yesterday at you and see how you feel. Uh, and I, I said this in the midst of most outlets that cover Notre Dame, uh, having their one-on-one -on -one interviews with Marcus Freeman over the next two weeks. So there are going to be tons of stories from those outlets coming out with great information, great insight on the team. None of those outlets had the ability to do what this interview, interview did for Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. Right. There was no one that can give Notre Dame this look that covers Notre Dame. And I said that might offend some people that have been working the beat for a long time, and maybe they just don't understand it in terms of 2023, the culture impacting young people and how they consume information and how they view what they see. Man, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, this is this is more culturally uh, progressive doing something like the pivot because it's on YouTube and people are catching it. Mainstream media is obviously going to be there, but it's not the attractive pool when you got Ryan Clark and Channing Crowder and Fred Taylor interviewing you and you can put the content out ASAP. You know, these publications, mass media is going to splice up the interview, cut it short, give you, you know, half of what you really could get from the real questions that you're going to get from the interview with the, the pivot. That's 100. Something else that stood out when he said, after the Stanford loss, I had players and people texting me to trust the process. And he said, skip that. We just lost to Stanford. It's time to fix the process. I was like, you know what? 
because it's real easy to sit there and wait and trust the process. And I said the greatest thing, and I think he pointed it out, he has an ability to recognize when it's time to make change. Like in the middle of his career, his first year, he calls Jim Trestle because he recognizes, you know what? It, it might be time for me to transition to coaching. And he was still getting calls from teams in the NFL. Most people would say, man, I want to see how long I can play out this NFL dream. He's in the middle of it saying, you know what? It might be time for me to go ahead and make this switch and, and fix this. And it, the same characteristics in his leadership showed up during his first season at Notre Dame. Where he was like, you know what? I know I had a thought process of how I wanted things to go. That's not working. We, we got to change. Like I pointed out, he didn't decide that Sam Hartman wasn't mean at the end of the season. He, he decided that in the middle of the season. Like, this quarterback room is not it. Yeah, no, but he probably knew that before he even got the head coaching job, you know, being on the other I, side. I don't people. know, man, because you fall into, you know, the history and, and winning 10 games and players feeling like they know what to do. They've been to college football playoffs and you let the players kind of lead the way and, and you feel like you can do it. And then Marcus Freeman from Dayton, man, he know what talent. Yeah. Like. But see, Marcus Freeman, right? Marcus Freeman has a different perspective than Brian Kelly. See, Brian, yes. Kelly, Brian, Brian Kelly, Kelly was just like, man, look, if we can get through, we can get through. Absolutely. You said that's why we would wear out. We would have three running backs and only use one and just wear him out and then use the next. He was like, Look, we can get through with just using one. We good. You all the other. We need one receiver. We just use Will. We just use TJ Jones. We don't need all these other. Eifert. We'll just go to them until they stop it. Mm -hmm. And then when they stop it, we'll figure it out. Marcus Freeman's like, Look, we got guys. Because Marcus Freeman played. So he knows as a player, you want all your guys get the ball, get some love, whatever. So bringing in a guy like Jared Parker and being able to try to display that, of course you're going to need a Sam Hartman. Of course you're going to need a running game. Of course you're going to need uh, better receivers and a, a more uh, open offense. So these are things that I'm sure he was uh, seeing – become issues as a defense coordinator assistant coach and I think that once just like Jared Parker got the opportunity he instantly knew all the things he wanted to fix <laughs> man he came in and said yeah we're not gonna look like that we're gonna do this we're gonna do this better yeah no, some guys didn't like it last year we're gonna do this we're gonna so you know I think that just comes with uh thinking for yourself and and knowing who you are as a person and what works and, and being aggressive on uh, not letting the, the, the problem linger, you know? And so one of the problems that lingered, it wasn't no talent in the QB room. And after that, that loss, Marcus Freeman was like, look, we got to go get better. Period. I'm not waiting on anything because they're not waiting on me. <laughs>
Look, it's one of those things where I tried to explain as best as I could without you yesterday. Why, from a culture standpoint, this advance and new I man, if I could have tipped my cap to Amir Carlisle every five minutes, I'm like, yo, this this happened because Amir Carlisle was put in the position of director of player personnel. And this is why this happened. And they mentioned it towards the end of the interview. They gave a shout out to Amir. They also gave out to Mark a shout out to Katie Lornigan, Marcus Freeman's personal assistant. Hey, or whatever. I forget. She has an official title. She's not his assistant. There's another young lady that's his assistant. But either way, because uh, I didn't want to be disrespectful. Um, Amir Carlisle, you made it happen, bro. You gave Notre Dame the look that was needed to move forward. And I believe it's a look that is in line with what Pete Mavaka wants and views Notre Dame as and what Marcus Freeman views Notre Dame as. And you're darn right. Marcus Freeman used 58 minutes to recruit the stars, the five stars in Notre Dame, which I want to get to. The realest thing, you're on mute, bro. Yeah, you're not going to see Saban or Dabo on the pivot. He's doing different things. It's like, yeah, Marcus Freeman is cool, but what does he do that's cool? Well, he got on the pivot. <laughs> that's something Saban ain't doing. That's something Dabo not doing or don't got a chance to do because it don't fit culturally for Saban and Dabo or Ryan Day. It don't fit for Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. But for Marcus <laughs> Freeman, okay, yeah, I want to I wanna tune in. What Marcus Freeman talking about at Notre Dame? I don't know nothing about that. Yeah. We're going to get the right eyes. Viewing that because that's cool. No name was on the pivot. I didn't see no Ohio State, no Clemson, no. Okay, that's kind of cool. LSU got air conditioned helmets. I mean, you know, if I had to take one or the other, I'm taking a pivot. <laughs> but, you know, I think this is just finding ways. Amir, shout out my dog Amir. He said he was going to be different as the as a the player development director, and I think he's taking steps. This is one of the many that I think he's trying to make, but he knows where uh, he's young enough and, and knows enough, of, uh, been around the game enough to know where guys want to see as recruits and what guys want to see as, as future uh, program investors into the program and what it takes. And that's just great research, and that's like a that's like running a perfect play, you know. Just scored a touchdown on that. Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. Anything else? Oh, I have to. The back and forth between Channing Crowder. I, I love the way Channing. See, this is why the look was needed. Channing. A lot of people that cover Notre Dame could have asked this question a different way. But Channing Crowder needed to ask it as only Channing Crowder can. Coach, hey man, I love everything here, but I man, I wasn't coming here. I I ain't coming here. I ain't no. This ain't for me. I would keep it a buck. You would have come to see me, Coach. I'd have been in the lunchroom surrounded by girls and my tank top, and probably just stolen somebody's lunch, and would have told you like, hey man. 
I'm, I get I get three years and I'm out to the NFL. All right? Don't talk to me about no classes, nothing. And that was real. That was real. And he said, so you mean to tell me you willing to pass up five-star Heisman candidates on the recruiting trail because they don't fit Notre Dame? It, need, yes. it needed, it needed yes, to absolutely. be put that way. It needed to be put that way so it can be relatable to young people that are watching. And Marcus Freeman answered it as gangster as he could. As gangster as he could. Saying, yeah, because I'll be hurting that kid. I don't want to mess up his future because he's not going to work here. Because if you come here, oh, you definitely go into class. They don't play with that. There is no bend in that. You go into class. He said, but the kids out there that are five stars that don't think, that they fit Notre Dame, but they really do. Oh, I'm going to get them. And he said he would still fight for the five-star kid that eventually wouldn't come to Notre Dame. That's he said, I'm fighting either way. I'm in the fight either way. That right there, I was like, okay. That's the message that needs to go out. Because that's the question that the parents of these kids have, and that's the question that these kids have in the classes of 25, 26, and they got it straight from the horse's mouth or the coach's mouth that is Marcus Freeman. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty gangster. Well, well, pretty honest. You know, I think that uh, a perfect example of this would be Justin Scott. A guy oh, you wait. Boy. You think? Do you think he wasn't talking to Justin Scott, who just came off his Miami interview? Wait, oh, wait. Yeah. Do you think Notre Dame strategically didn't have them drop that days after Justin Scott just got back from? Oh, come on, bro. Come on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it definitely is. Timed out right. You know, we like to play chess in the recruiting game. I think this is a great opportunity because now Marcus Freeman is trying to put himself in the cool factor, that 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 real coach, that raw factor like Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. Deion is in a league of his own because it's like, man, that's prime. He's cool. He's I'll just play for him because it's Deion Sanders. And it works for him. Marcus Freeman is is more in the lane of that than he is in the lane of a uh, Nick Saban. I've got a dynasty, I, you know, hardcore. To, and I think that's what Marcus Freeman wanted to be like initially, which is probably when he had to call and be like, "Look, I got to be me and, and 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 build this in a different way, but get the same results." And that's where you see things like the pivot. That's where you're going to see a more comfortable Marcus uh, Marcus Freeman the next year. I see somebody in the chat say that Justice Scott see it. If it was an Irish Irish Illustrated, he probably didn't. Justice Scott, Cam Williams saw it. I talked to Cam Williams. He's like, "Oh yeah, we got clips days before it even dropped," and I was sending clips out to everybody. And Cam Williams and Justice Scott are best friends. So, yes, Justice Scott is aware of it and saw it. Because it's culture. 
is what he and his friends watch. That's what they're subscribed to each and every week when it drops. Yeah, of course he saw it. Of course he did. That's why it's the look that Notre Dame needed. Because it was content of Notre Dame where the young people go to get their content for sports. Which is the pivot. It is what it is with Cameron and Mace. As it has, and that people, they're not professional journalists. It doesn't matter. Yeah, don't matter. It doesn't matter. That's where young people go to consume information. If we can get Marcus Freeman on this, it is what it is. Put him on it is what it is. I don't know what they would talk to him about. But yeah, hey, I don't know what they would talk to him about. I don't know what they would talk to him about, but <laughs> hey. It is what it is, bro. <laughs> it's like, I'm subscribed to the pivot. I am. Because I'm like, yo, this, this is where people go to get their information. So I think that was it. I think that Channing Crowder thing for me was. Was the interview that, that we needed. Yeah. Oh, another point. He talked about protecting the life of a college coach. As you progress through the coaching ranks, is that something that you, you loved hearing from Marcus Freeman, specifically uh, requesting that from the president of Notre Dame moving forward for his coaching staff? Meeting, uh, uh, meeting, I'm sorry. What? He said we need to do better at protecting the life of a college coach, making them feel like they will want to stay at Notre Dame. He said we're going to lose good coaches, but we can't just be getting coaches in and they're ready to just bounce because they're not being treated the best that they can be treated. Well, that's always going to be an issue because we're not paying nobody top dollar. Come on now. Notre Dame is a great stepping stone place. That's just what it is. Yeah. You're not going to get $100 millionaire, but you're going to get $100 million after you leave. Yeah. You'll get it. You might not get the head coaching job there, but you're going to get a head coaching job after you leave. Yeah. That's just what it is. Yeah. But uh, I mean, unless they like, unless they like, you know, Marcus Freeman on a personal level, that's, a, that's your dog. Like Coach Mick, but shoot, they gonna be calling his phone after this year. They <laughs> see Ben Morrison go first round. What are you gonna say? Yeah, like, man, yeah. go ahead and get this DC job. Yeah, yeah. Now what? And shout if out to. About, if anything, Marcus Freeman should be like, look, protecting the life of our coaches by paying them that bread. Mm-hmm. Other than that. Yeah. This is too sweet of a deal not to get a better deal after this. Facts. Mike McCray, my dog, grew up with him. Went to Michigan for four years. Mike McCray. Mike McCray was a good dude. Mike McCray, yeah. I was a good player. Yeah, yeah, Guess yeah. Guess what? Came to Notre Dame for two years. Right after that, got a whole position coach at UMass. Because of Notre I mean, come on. Come on. So... It's real interesting and important that Marcus Freeman also knows that coach is going to come and go. Coach Kelly had a ton of that. But at the end of the day, what did he end up doing? Just hiring all his friends. He said, I'm tired of this coaching search. I'm going to call all my homies 
and y'all just come coaching so I don't have to really do that much of an interview process. And then, because I hired y'all, y'all going to get hired somewhere else way bigger than this. Come play for your boy. That's the easy, that's the way you got to, that's the perspective you got to have about it. I'm going to put you on because you're my homeboy. And because this place is so sweet and we're going to be all right, you're going to get a better job after this. But I can't have no restrictions for you to be here unless, like Coach Kelly was telling them, look, I'll get you 50 mil. You slide with me to LSU. 50, get you 10 mil. Slide, Coach Cooks. But if you got 10 mil as the DC, or that's obviously ridiculous. But if you got a, a good good amount, better than what we get now, but something worth staying, it's going to be a money issue when it comes to coaches. Nothing else. Even Todd Monkey was like, listen, I'm here to win. And if a better opportunity comes, I'm going. Played great for Georgia, had six touchdowns and by the quarterback. And left the year after. Come on, man. It's about bread. Yeah, we know bread coming on. I mean, you're gonna love hearing this love. I've read multiple stories out of the Baltimore area where Lamar Jackson is loving what Todd Munkin has cooked up for him, bro. Yeah. Loves it. Like that dude is like re-energized. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. We're about to cook. And they got OBJ and all mm. types of receivers. They're gonna be all right. Yeah, man, lucky left. What's up, hold on, what's up with your boy Chase Claypool getting the bad reviews out of camp? Man, I look, I Chase is so cool and has been locked in with the receiving core and has been locked in with Justin Fields publicly. They've been moving as a unit. So I don't know where this reporting is coming from, bro. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a but I know where it started. It started. Look, the report came from a uh, afternoon host at ESPN 1000 who was at camp and was talking to some people, I guess, around the team and decided to bring it back and say it. That's how it got started. Then, I'll be knowing. So <laughs> that's how it got started. SD2 because ESPN 1000 just became – you know that? No, ESPN 1000, bro, I just left, so I still have connections. Oh, there. yeah. Uh, my guy, Pat, the, my guy, uh, Pat, the designer, who's one of my guys, he is the host of the podcast, the daily podcast there at ESPN 1000. That's my guy. I just talked to him yesterday. Yeah. I didn't get that information from him, but I knew I was a producer. Yeah, you got sources to say. <laughs> I still talk to the producers, right? And, and he decided to come back. And release that information. He didn't have to. He also released some information about Justin Fields was struggling and all of that. And then Justin Fields lights it up like four straight days in front of the media. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, well, I'm just going by what I saw the first day. And, you know, so you know how people try to jump out there. They try to jump out there. He jumped out there. He jumped out there with the play pool stuff. But isn't that, and, but isn't that the game, though? It, it, you know. It, it is what it is, man. He's it doing is what, what it is. He, yeah, he's doing what he has to do. I, I'm just it's saying just that's what happened. don't play like that. That's all. Some that's what happened. And, you know, 
you know, with that, with ESPN 1000 now being the home of the Chicago Bears, I guess he felt like he had the license to do it. To work. Right? You know, because now he's talking to people inside. And maybe Claypool came over and didn't exactly ingratiate himself to the yeah, program and everything. Yeah, politic with some of the media people. You got to politic a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's that's fine. But as far as how he rocks with, he's always out in public. It's always him, EQ, and DJ Moore. Everywhere in Chicago. They're, they're always together. So it's not like he's like aloof and apart from the group, right? And Justin is right there with them, moving with them. So they're constantly seen around Chicago together. They get their hair cut together. It's like, yo, the story is saying one thing, but they're moving totally different. So now we just wait to see what the production is. That's all, that's all we can do, right? DJ Moore is the number one receiver. We know that Chase doesn't have have the Bears asked Chase midseason to come over and be the number one because Mooney was injured. Right. That's that was the pressure. Come over, man. Learn this system and be the number one. <laughs> with with Justin Fields not really being at his best in the passing game. That was a lot to ask. So to kind of they kind of forecast the future based upon a difficult situation and how things went down. It is what it is. Yeah, it, it kind of man, him catching the heat that he caught. It, it kind of stung, honestly, because I felt bad for him. Felt bad for him. Because he's not disliked. Man. At least by the wide receivers in, in Justin Fields. He's like Juju, you know. Yeah. His, before we transition to this apparel deal, uh, Josh Miller said, Sean, did you notice in the interview that he said that the coaching camaraderie was way better this year? Marcus Freeman has, has, has he's thrown his jabs in the last two or three weeks to the situation that existed when he took over as head coach. Right. I think when he was asked in a recent interview whether or not he takes advice, you know, Pete Sampson at Athletic from Jack Swarbrick, and, you know, he was like, eh. like uh, I don't listen to anything. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? I, you know, I'll take, you know, he got some good stuff here and there, but he ain't, you know, just schooling me now. Like, you know, you know yeah, some leadership stuff. Yeah, it's cool. You cool. know, but how – how can you fully trust somebody that has spies in the camp? Number yeah. one, the hidden hand working against you. Uh, when you have people that are uh, head coaches of the offense, and you have uh, the director of the scouting department, which is basically him, and he's like eighty years old, being the father. Of the head coach of the offense, yeah, like, like, that's I have that's what's surrounding you. you. I have yes. superseded you with this this thing above you that is really making some decisions that you're not influencing, and I think that's and that's how you come in, man. It's like, hey, let me move, like you know, move over a little bit, you know. 
So instantly you gonna have some issues. Yeah, that is not how you hire somebody. No, that's why I was like, this is the weirdest hire I've ever heard. You know, it's like you hired him for the people, but you really hired the what you wanted in the background. Kind of thing. No, and yeah, we'll give you, yeah, we'll give you Marcus Freeman because that's what y'all been pressuring me about. But I <laughs> Mike, really Tommy, Mike Huff. Man, my boy Mike Huff just putting names to it. I was trying to just be a little bit, a little vague, Mike. I didn't want, I didn't want the names to be out. There. <laughs> I didn't want the names to be out there. <laughs> yeah, oh, Mike, know, it's, that's weird, weird stuff going on. Mike, let's see what he. Indy uh, also took away seeing. Uh, TDJ from oh touchdown Jesus from inside the stadium with the new the big scoreboard and everything. Imagine seeing that image as an opposing quarterback late in the game. Uh, it was very aesthetically pleasing, I'm sure, from inside the stadium and how it connects to the end zone and the history of Notre Dame. Um, but at some point, the scoreboard was a need. And I understand, but it is what it is. You know, unless you just want to keep it like Fenway Park. <laughs> oh, excuse me, with the old school scoreboard. I don't know where that hiccup came from. That's crazy. Fighting Irish Raiders, thank you for tapping in, man. For the first time since the 90s, I'm starting to get those Fuji vibes ready or not. Here we come. You can't hide swagger. Yeah, it, it, it definitely gives you that vibe, Fighting Irish Raider. I agree with you. Uh, I think Marcus Freeman. Vibe, but we got to have a, the player. Yeah, yeah, that's we true. Got the vibe. Yes. But I would feel like the vibe would be solidified with the player. Who's the guy that's going to be the – because every team got it. Every team got it. Yeah. And that's when you're like, yeah, we – before the season even start, you know you're going far. Get, what do you think USC fans are feeling? They're like, we got Caleb Williams. At worst – we're winning nine games. At worst. Yeah. All they yeah. podcasts is talking about, man, we got to beat Utah. Man, we got to beat Utah this year. We got to beat them. Everybody else, they're like, oh, you know, we got Caleb Williams. Yeah. So just imagine the vibes of a Marcus Freeman with a quarterback like Caleb Williams. That's, that's the vibes. That's the ready or not. Because it's bona fide. It's Marcus Freeman with, what's he got up his sleeve? Is it a 22? Or is it a rocket launcher? Mm. Or is it a grenade? (laughs) What do you got? Yeah. I know it's something dangerous under the sleeve, but is it enough to kill me? (laughs) Or is it enough to be like, Oh yeah, that's the that's the finisher right there. Yeah. John Wick. Yeah. USC's walking around like they John Wick right now. They waiting on them to say something. They got in kids. a sense, 
in a sense. At least they're not worried. They like, yeah, we got Alabama, you know, and you know all that stuff. But from a regular season perspective, they 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 feel pretty good going about this season. We feel pretty good. We just don't know why yet. We feel good because we got Marcus Freeman leading us. But Marcus Freeman isn't going to tackle nobody this year, and he's not going to throw no touchdowns this year. <laughs> and we need those two things to happen for us to be successful. Lucky mm. Nucky Podcast. Let's get to it, man. It's time to talk about this apparel deal, the three finalists in the direction that Notre Dame is going to go. Uh, Andrew Gilmore, you're right. It is a tough call. The Cubs went through a similar thing with Wrigley. But at that point, you know, it you're, you're losing money if you don't make the renovations, honestly, especially with what the Rickets went through. And the smart thing about the Rickets is they took the same concept of Wrigleyville. You've been to Wrigleyville, left. You know how lit Wrigleyville is. And I don't care if the Cubs are terrible. Yeah. You go to Wrigleyville after a game, and it's lit. Yeah, don't even like baseball. Man, don't even like baseball. You can find something to do and have a great time. And they have an Irish bar over there. So Absolutely. They have three now. They have three Irish bars over there now. They have three. So you can go, and they took that concept and just modernized it, made the park right outside, made it fan-friendly, gave the kids and the mothers something to do, you know, even if you have to come outside the game because all kids can't deal with nine innings, right? They technology upgraded. They technology. Most can't deal with nine Absolutely. They upgraded the stadium. That was needed. They upgraded the suites. That's revenue. They did what they had to do to become relevant. And then the gangster part of it, the gangster part of it, is they built in their own betting house. Well, they control, man, that was genius. And it's about the lunch this summer. They built in their own hotel across the street where you come in as a visitor or you come in outside. That's their money. They have a hotel. They have restaurants. That's their money that they own. They made everything a funnel to the Chicago Cubs. And it's absolutely amazing. The, the job they did, I'm not even a Cubs fan, but I have to tip my cap and say, hey, you didn't break tradition. You just enhanced the tradition and made it more modern and made it. That's what they did. And you have to tip your cap, man. You have to tip your cap. So I'm super excited to see what Notre Dame can do. Super excited. I mean, Irish Burn is um, 84. This is also, he did say this. How do we build relevance while maintaining tradition? And it can be done. We've always been relevant. Yeah. Maintaining tradition, I think, you know, the tradition of not having a scoreboard, that's, that's a tradition that can pass. Mm-hmm. The tradition of having that grass, probably mm-hmm. a tradition that can pass. Traditions that stick around that still have relevance was like the nine stripes. I thought that's yeah. always a cool story. Nine stripes in zone, uh, facing the you know, all that. That's cool, yeah, absolutely. The tradition of not having the names on the back of the jerseys, 
that was a person that decided that. That wasn't a school thing. That was just a person that was like, yeah, we should do this. But, you know, listen. Yeah, that can't, that can't Chan, Chan was like, dude, I'm the All-American, dog. Yeah, that's what School I'm like the All-American. You're going to put my name on the back. And, hey, that's so honest. If Marcus Freeman was making us cool after the pivot, he should put names on the back of the jerseys. Bring them back. Hell, they probably <laughs> sell better. Excuse me. How you, I mean, you played here with the dine in the, yeah. the bookstore? You played about uh, what you played what two games with it, your name on the back? Yeah, that's that's to get two games every year, you know. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. That's journey. it. Look. So I think Marcus Freeman, you wanna keep making it little things now. We ain't saying NIL collectives and stuff, just little things. Yeah, yeah. You know, did the pivot. That's a good check mark. Yeah. Put the names on the jerseys. Yeah. I'm yet to you. Put the name on the jersey. In the new apparel deal, <laughs> Nike stitching on the back. Come on. Speaking of upgrades, I'm yet to use the bathrooms at Notre Dame Stadium. For those of you that have been, how is it? Because this inspires that question. Doma Wap says before the Rickets owned the Cubs, it was owned by the Tribune Company, and the facilities were left to rot. The Cubs had the absolute worst bathrooms in sports, periods. It was still, bro, you remember the old school latrines? Yeah. That's it. Uh, it was just one big thing. LSU got that. LSU Dude, got that. it was the worst. It's real. It was the worst. And the line would be like 30 minutes long. Yep. But it's long latrine. It was nasty. Smelled horrible. It was ridiculous, man. Okay, good. Matt Racking said the bathrooms are great now. No more troughs. I guess it was similar in Notre Dame. That that trough and train system, that's not it. It's a crazy concept. You just got I'm not trying to see you, bro. I'm not trying to see you, number one. And there's no limit to how many people can fit at a trough. So this so hey, have I have to tell this story. Time, 10, 20, however many people feel comfortable shoulder. It's crazy. It's a crazy man. Oh man, FedEx Stadium still has that. That's tough. It's tough. Oh man, that's tough. True story. Before we transition, bro, I go to New York with my wife, right? We we used to hit the 4040 club. That was like our favorite spot. My baby girl was really young. This was pre-9-11. And we were just hitting, catching $49 round trip tickets on AirTran. You remember AirTran back in the day? Before they were bought out by Southwest? Yeah. AirTran would hit an ATA. They had like $49, $59 round trip tickets the day of. <laughs> you can wake up. And say, hey, babe, let's go to New York. Yeah. 59 round trip. Right now. Right now. Let's go catch the 8 o'clock. It was crazy. And we were young, newlyweds. Like, man, let's do it. We love going to New York. We love shopping. And the 4040 Club had just opened. Jay yeah, had just opened. Jay-Z's Club, yeah. He had just opened it. I had, man, I kicked it upstairs. I met Anthony Mackey before he popped. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, I took my brother up there for his birthday, met Anthony Mackey, probably saved my brother from getting robbed and killed. That's a whole oh, other story because he let some little Philly dance 
on a, and, and talk about, yeah, come with me back to my house in Connecticut. I'm like, what? Crazy. You don't know this chick? What are you talking about? Yeah. Crazy. He was mad. Crazy. He thought he had him one left. He was like, man, you hate you. You blocking. Oh, I'm like, no, no. like, that don't even make sense. You're a goofy. But anyway, uh, we hit the 40-40, right? And I asked the way. I'm like, yo, where are the bathrooms? And she's like, they're upstairs. And this was a thing in New York, clubs that I didn't know. A lot of New York clubs do unisex bathrooms. I had never seen this, love. Wow. Really? And then, Yes. So I'm going in this without information, left. I just go upstairs to the bathroom and I see a girl walk through the door and I'm like, and maybe do the little Scooby-Doo lean to the side like, bro? Yeah, like what? I'm like, am I supposed to go in the same door? I go in the same door. The bathroom is this circular room with frosted windows and you can see the silhouettes. So I walk in and I'm seeing female silhouettes and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in the wrong, like, they, you know, let me step yeah. out. Like, there has to be another door on the other side. Here. Right. So I step really? out, I walk around, and I'm like, yo, wait a minute. So I ask another service person, like, yo, I'm looking for the men's bathroom. And he was the one that was like, dude, we don't have, we our, our bathroom is unisex. I was like, oh, so this is the door. And he was like, yeah. So I'm like, now mind you, you know, some silhouettes you don't want to see. I mean, some silhouettes you like, all right. That's <laughs> so I walked around, I found an opening, I did what I had to do. Man, when I got downstairs to the table, I'm like, hey, babe, man, because I know how you are. You might want to wait until you get back to the hotel. But that was my introduction to like, and it was a common place in New York clubs. That was the crazy thing Jeez. at that point in time, you know? And it was so common that the wait staff didn't even think to explain to me, like, oh, by the way, they just assumed I would know. That was my introduction. Uh -huh. Hey, that, you know, that, that might have been one of the best bathroom introductions I ever had, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like I came out of it like, ugh. I came out of it like, a word? Okay. All right. That's that's not bad. You know, if you're in your 20s and you're kicking it, that's not something that's gonna turn you off. Yeah, not that's not gonna yeah, not gonna turn you off for sure. Yeah. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We'll be right back. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Who has the upper hand? We'll talk about it. <laughs>